0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry. This is Stuff You Should Know, the Snake Edition.
0: <laughs> snake Plissken Edition.
1: Oh, man. Good character. Yeah. Especially if you know, like, it had to have been something of a joke to have selected Kurt Russell because he was, I guess, I don't know whether that came before or after the thing, do you? I think the thing was first. Okay, so I guess it wasn't quite as big of a joke. But I think earlier I in his career, like, Kurt Russell didn't even have friends. He was, like, such a squeaky clean Walt Disney movie <laughs> kid. Yeah, yeah. He was like, the all, the, all the normal yeah. kids hated him. Oh, he really? Said. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was just known as, like, this... Just can't do anything wrong, like yeah, like squeaky clean kid.
0: Well, that was my first R-rated movie. It was Escape from New York. Oh yeah, yeah. It was Can a deal. you dig it? <laughs> no, that was The Warriors. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I remember I called. Uh, it was on like HBO or something. It wasn't even in the theater, and I called my mom to ask her if it was okay <laughs> if I watched it. That's how good of a boy that I was. You're like Kurt Russell. Yeah, she wow. said, "Sure, I know you're by yourself because you don't have any friends. Go ahead and watch it." <laughs>
1: That's funny. Yeah. Man alive, that's a good snake story. Even though it has nothing to do with snakes
0: per se. Oh, I've got a good snake story for later.
1: Oh, well, oh, I was going to say, lay it on us, but we'll wait. Yeah, I'm teasing that one. We'll wait patiently. All of you uh, who suffer from a little something called ophidiophobia, you can go ahead and skip this one because it is going to creep you out. I'm yeah. not afraid of snakes and I'm still creeped out by some parts of this because we're going to get like down and dirty with snakes.
0: Well, here's my deal, and I think we should say this as a public service. I get creeped out by snakes initially, and then I'm like, okay, it's just a snake. Uh-huh. But um, snakes are vilified and killed when they shouldn't be killed Yeah, because people are scared of them, and I, that ain't cool.
1: Years and years ago in the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, where I learned 90% of the stuff that I know, mm-hmm. um, I read about a study of snakes, like people took a fake snake and put it in a, the road and then like hid behind some bushes and watched right. what people did. And allegedly people would run over the snake and then back up and run over it again and really? again. Yeah, according to the – yeah. well, according to Uncle John's bathroom reader. But um, yeah, I think people go out of their way to kill snakes.
0: Yeah, I know uh, camp some campers who like – if they're hiking, will kill a snake if they see it. Um, bad campers. Yeah, that's not good, it's especially
1: not cool. considering only like 5% of snake species are venomous. Yeah. And um, th- so it's pretty rare to come across a venomous snake. Yeah. Uh, there are some out there that will hurt you pretty bad. Oh Well, sure. And we'll talk about those. Um, but for the most part, most snakes either kill their prey by constricting yeah. or swallowing you whole while you're alive. <laughs> You're too big for most snakes to really take on. Yeah. So they're not going to mess with you. Sure. But it is, there is a, you can't really fault people necessarily, although you and I both do, Mm -hmm. for just killing snakes wantonly and indiscriminately. um, Because a study after study has found that we are, really, there's no other explanation, evolutionarily primed to fear and notice snakes in our environment
0: yeah you found that cool article uh and I'd seen this before that um it was on popular science, yeah they've done studies that showed that people are more apt uh, because of we evolved to not want to get killed by snakes to see snakes in like our peripheral vision than almost anything else, yeah, even spiders, which people are creeped out by,
1: yeah well, and also spiders are deadly too, so it would make sense that over time. The people who were best at recognizing spiders and getting away from them would live longer to pass on their genes. And yeah. so through natural selection, that would be the case. Supposedly, um, the same thing happened with snakes, but we are even better at recognizing snakes than
0: spiders. Snake detection theory. Yeah. Pretty good band name.
1: its It's been a while since we had a good band name. Yeah. That's definitely one of them. I, I just saw that on t t-shirt and a marquee simultaneously. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that but- means it's a good band name. <laughs> So, in, if you want to know more about that whole study, you can read about. It, I think it was in the Lancet in two thousand ten. Or basically, it's like yes, we can find a snake just about anywhere, even in our peripheral vision. Right, and we are scared of snakes, and rightfully so.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I feel like I am primed when I am camping and hiking. Just, I am just always sort of on the lookout. Yeah, I am never just like daydreaming and walking. I am always looking at the ground, and
1: that's smart, man.
0: Because uh, they will lay right across the trail, and that they, they're not looking out for you. Right. So you stumble upon them, and that's when an accident might happen.
1: Yeah, the problem is, with snakes, you're looking at the ground, you better be looking up, too, like Mm -hmm. if you're in the Amazon. Yeah. A lot of boa constrictors dangle from trees and then, like, drop themselves down onto their prey, which includes monkeys, of which you, my friend, are one. That's right. You know? Yeah. So if you had a boa constrictor that was feeling kind of froggy, they might come at you.
0: Or those flying snakes. Yeah. That obviously cannot fly but they glide down quite a ways.
1: In Sri Lanka, right?
0: Yeah. If you've seen these videos, um, they leap from a tree and start squiggling, and then they flatten their body out, and they can go a long way from where they started. Right. And it's not straight down. You know what I'm saying? No. So let's just rephrase all this. Let's restate
1: it. You and I disagree with killing snakes indiscriminately. (laughs) It's just wrong. But they're... Is a, a healthy and understandable preternatural human fear mm-hmm. of snakes. Sure. Actually,
0: just natural human fear. Yeah, even Darwin wrote about it. Oh, yeah. He tried to do that uh, a test, remember? Yeah, like, I'm not going to jump when this snake jumps at me. Uh-huh. And he's like, uh, keep jumping. Yeah. <laughs> and he's basically like, it's human instinct. Right. All right. So, shall we start with snakes in general? Let's in, do uh, it. In earnest. They've been around a lot longer than we have. Yeah, there are 2,700 known species uh of this reptile, and um one thing you'll find in common with all of them is they all have no limbs.
1: <laughs> That's something. They can't wear a vest.
0: <laughs> can't wear a vest. Uh Because well, there's nowhere to put their thumbs, right? Or there's no thumbs to put in the vest. No arms. Oh, but I thought you meant just like, you got to have the thumbs in the vest, too.
1: Well, sure, you got to, yeah. but... I mean, you so have to have arms. the arms for, to have the thumbs. <laughs> that's from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure.
0: Oh, see, I just trampled all over that thing. It's all right. All right. Um, they are carnivores, means they, meet, uh, they eat meat. Um, yeah, which includes you. It includes me because I'm just a big monkey. <laughs> and uh, they're cold-blooded. They are ectothermic, which means their inner temperature varies uh, along with where they are. It fluctuates depending on how hot or cold it is. Yeah. And that's all snakes.
1: And apparently they tend to thrive, um, well, all ectothermic animals tend to thrive and get bigger in warmer climates, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That makes sense. Which is why the biggest snakes you're going to find are in the Ooh, tropics yeah, near the equator.
0: Uh, if you think they look like legless lizards, it's because they sort of are. Uh, they're from the same order, which is squamata. And then there are a couple of sub-orders, uh, uh, saria for lizards and serpentus for snakes. Or
1: Ophidia, which Ophidia. is where the Ophidiophobia comes from, Ophidophobia, which yeah. is the fear of snakes. I like
0: Serpentis better.
1: Yes, yeah, serpentophobia's waste.
0: It just makes sense. Sure. Um, if you look at a picture of a snake, which we have on this article, there are some pretty good graphics. Uh, if you look at their body, it's pretty neat because even though they look funny, they are not so different from us. They have bones and they have organs and cool. they have a skull and a brain and yeah they're vertebrates yeah it's all just sort of squished in that long body mm-hmm. such that it all sort of fits next to each other
1: right the thing is, is although they have like some the same senses that we have yeah I notice I'm making sounds <laughs> more than usual unconsciously yeah. in this episode but that is uh, subconscious exactly. <laughs> They have the same senses that we have in much the same way, but they're um, adjusted slightly differently. Like snakes, yeah, it's pretty cool. They don't have ears. Anybody who's ever looked at a snake would flip out if you saw one with ears. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Wow. Sure. <laughs> um, but they do have the ability to hear. They just have um, the sides of their skull have little um, specialized bones that the skin covers. Yes. Sound vibrations hit the skin. It's transferred to the bone, and that transfers to. Uh, an auditory nerve where the brain processes it and says, it's a jackrabbit and I'm hungry.
0: Exactly. I'm going that way. Um, sight, uh, they do not see in color. And depending on the snake's environment and, uh, where they, how they live their life, basically, um, their eyes are going to be quite different. Um, there are rods that have a low light, uh, distinguishing. It's like, I sort of get the sense that it's like the fuzzy, fuzzy looking shapes and things. Not super crystal clear.
1: Yeah, like um, that that camera trick they always use when somebody's coming out of anesthesia in the hospital and oh, like yeah, it yeah. blinks. And <laughs>
0: that is probably one of yeah. the types of sight. Uh, the cones produce the clear images, and um, if a snake like lives in a cave in the dark for most of its life, it's not going to need that awesome vision. It's going to just have like that light and dark sense. Uh, if a snake lives above ground, does all of its hunting above ground, They have really good vision and great depth perception. Yeah. And can actually like adjust the focus
1: from, you know, far away to near, uh, very easily. And they actually can see some color. Oh, really? Just not like anything in the range that we can see. Gotcha. But they do have the spectacular extra vision.
0: Yes. Infrared stuff? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So basically, if you've seen Predator, snakes see you like that. Some snakes do. Snake species, um, especially ones that live above ground because they are frequently nocturnal and they hunt warm-blooded animals. So they have basically little thermal imaging cameras that are on top of their normal vision.
0: Yeah, and I think that helps their uh, periphery a little bit as well. Like they'll just see like. Something hot next to me. Waka! Snake is eating that monkey. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They make that noise, too. That was a great noise. <laughs> uh, and then we'll round out the senses with smell. Um, they have little nasal openings, and they have a little olfactory chamber to process that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they also have tongues, which are not there to taste, because they don't have a sense of taste. No. Which it's is sad part for of the them. Smell.
1: Yeah. They're just there to eat, not to enjoy it. Yeah, so they'll, like, swallow a pig hole and just be like, how was that? I don't know. Mm, I don't have a sense of taste. (laughs) I'm full. But they do do flick their tongue, as anybody knows. I mean, it's one of the defining characteristics of snakes. But what they're doing is gathering odorants out of the air and delivering them to these little uh, scent glands or scent organs called Jacobson's glands, Jacobson's organs. Yeah. (laughs) And um, that thing is basically hooked up to a secondary olfactory nerve that... Further interprets the air. Yes.
0: Yeah. Scent. So I get the feeling that smell, they're pretty, pretty yeah. good at smelling. Yeah, two times over. That's right. Um, then they have their digestive tract, which is going to run all along the length of the body. Um, I'm telling you, look at this graphic. It's really kind of spells it out. Everything's just elongated. It's a good dyed in the wool,
1: how stuff works illustration.
0: Agreed. So you've got these, Uh, You know, you got your mouth, the esophagus, the stomach, uh, small and large intestines. You've got an anus, and it's all stretched along the the whole length of the body. Right, exactly. You've got a trachea. You've got lungs, uh, at least one lung. Some snakes have two. Some even have a third.
1: Yeah, and that's weird because, um, I mean, it makes sense if they would have three. If they just have one, that's odd to me. Yeah. Uh, The reason it's odd is because when snakes are digesting their food, their metabolic rate increases because they're often eating things that can be 50 to 100% of their body weight. Oh, yeah. And when you're eating something that large and swallowing it whole, your m- metabolic rate goes into high gear. Sure. And you also need to produce a lot more digestive fluids than you normally would. Yeah. So their oxygen consumption can increase by up to like a 100 times. Oh, wow. So you would think that they would have like 15 lungs. Yeah. But apparently some of them just have the one interesting but what is even more interesting chuck is when you have a, a like a whole rabbit just in your mouth is completely full <laughs> of yeah. a rabbit yeah you still need to breathe uh-huh so they the snakes can actually extend their trachea their breathing tube out of their mouth from underneath their prey yeah it's basically like um one of those like wily coyote cartoons where I don't know if he ever did, but Bugs Bunny definitely did. Mm -hmm. You just grab like a reed and use it as a straw from underwater? Yeah. Well, imagine that if Bugs Bunny were in a snake's mouth and that reed was coming out from underneath (laughs) them. That's the analogy I was going for. I gotcha. Uh,
0: They also don't have a diaphragm, which is pretty interesting. Uh, They breathe by widening and narrowing their rib cage, literally uh, creating a vacuum, pushing air in and sucking air, uh, pushing air out and sucking air back in. And between each of these cycles, they actually stop. They have an apnea that occurs right. where they don't breathe at all. And sometimes it's a few seconds. Sometimes it's a few minutes. But um, that's how they breathe. It's crazy and cool. So I'm I'm pretty
1: much enthralled by now with snakes. I'm not creeped out yet. Okay. We haven't really reached the creepy parts. No. We'll get to those starting uh, after we get back from this break. Chuck, yes. you have the ability to shed dead skin cells pretty much constantly. It's That's always right. They're always sloughing off.
0: Yeah, we had a great episode on that. We did. Mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, I think skin, right?
1: Yeah, but also did it come up and does your body regenerate itself every yeah. seven years or something? Sure. You're constantly doing that with skin cells. Snakes um, shed their skin as well, but they do it in a completely different technique, and they, they molt. They actually shed their whole outer layer of skin every once in a
0: while. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see that in the woods. Yeah. And you'll think, oh, well, there was a snake. And now he's not here. But here's his hollow body. Yeah. Or here's, hollow skin. Here's his ghost. Um, so what they have is they have an elastic skin that attaches to muscles. And then the scales are made of keratin, the same thing that our fingernails are made from. Yeah. And those actually, they the number of scales they have doesn't change or the pattern uh, as they grow. I guess the scales just get larger.
1: Yeah, and they they, um, replace themselves over time. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, so um, when uh, the outer skin of the snake starts to get kind of worn down and banged up, the snake says, it's time for some new ones. Yeah. So they start reproducing skin cells, but almost these um, specialized skin cells between their outer skin and their inner skin. And those things form this layer between the two, and they liquefy, Which helps kind of, well, first it makes the outer skin a little more um, sheddable. Yeah, softens it up. But it also like separates it from the snake itself, so it can eventually slide out of it. And it gets to a point where it starts like rubbing its chin against a rock. Yeah, like a kitty cat. (laughs) Yeah, and like, um, and like, (laughs) right, and like, uh, it ends up degloving its whole body, basically.
0: Man, you love that word. It's a a great descriptor. (laughs) It is. And it turns out, and we'll we'll see this as we uh, progress here, but snakes use rocks and things a lot because they don't have limbs. Right. And so they'll rub up against that thing, like you said, and just peel it off and just keep going until the skin's all gone. And they're like, I got a new suit. (laughs) Check it out. Check out my bow tie. And I just have to do this again. uh, How often?
1: Well, it depends. This article said um, it can happen anywhere from... Uh, it can start again a few days later, a few months yeah, later, that's hard a to few believe. days later.
0: Yeah, what a useless species of snake that must be! Like all they do is <laughs> molt the whole time. Yeah, because it takes about two weeks to complete the molting process. So that surprised me. They're consumed by the quest for looking young. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, um, a few months later makes a little more sense to me. But and I think it could have been too on how banged up they get. Sure. Like maybe they're forced to molt a few days later I got because you. of something.
1: So like a Steve McQueen snake would probably molt a lot.
0: <laughs> um snakes uh they grow their entire life, which is a, another great fact to me. Maybe the best one of the show.
1: With that they indeterminate growth, yeah, they never stop growing, no, they can just keep growing and growing again, it depends on like how ample their food supply is, what the ambient temperature is in their environment, but they can just keep on growing,
0: yeah, that slows down. They don't grow at the same rate, right, but uh, once they reach maturity, they keep on growing, uh, they can live anywhere from four to twenty five years, depending on the species, yeah,
1: and probably more than that or less, depending on the hazards in the area.
0: Yes, like people with machetes. Exactly. All right, are we to the uh, part, and this I think is what creeps people out a little bit, is how snakes move.
1: I, that's definitely probably the creepiest part about it. It's, well, it's one of them.
0: See, I think it's amazing. It is slightly disconcerting to see uh-huh. because you're used to things with legs and arms. Right. But when you see that slithering motion, it definitely, like, I think for most people, it's just a little bit of a ooh. Yeah. You know?
1: But if you stop and look at it, you're like, wow, they really have that down pat. Yeah, it's a wonder of nature. And they're, they're, snakes are able to locomote um, because they're, we said they're vertebrates. Mm-hmm. Their bodies are made up of scores and scores and hundreds, depending on the size and type of the snake, of um tiny vertebrae yeah. that are attached to pairs of ribs. Mm-hmm. And it goes all throughout the snake's body. And basically, each of these is a point at which the snake can contort itself. So yeah. You've got a bunch of these working together in tandem. The snake can propel itself forward using a, a number of different techniques. They also have what amounts to, on their bellies, on their underside, uh, basically tire tread.
0: Yeah, ventral scales. Right. It's pretty neat. And those are used to just, uh, I get the feeling they just grip on whatever it can grip on right. and help it along.
1: So there's four main ways that a snake propels itself along the one that um i think most is most popular among snakes these days (laughs) is the serpentine jitterbug (laughs) the serpentine motion yeah the classic s shape also known as undulatory locomotion and basically the neck contracts its muscles and it the body is thrust from side to side yep and um it, it says, I'm going, I'm going, and the snake just takes <laughs> off like a rocket.
0: Yeah, and this can be in, on, uh, in water or on land. If you've ever been in a lake and seen a snake uh, swimming across the water, <laughs> that'll get you going quick. Sure. Because those things move really quick in the water.
1: Um, and a lot of water snakes are poisonous for sure. Yeah. Water
0: moccasins. Yeah. We have uh, those here in Georgia, of course. What's the other? Copperheads will get in yeah, the uh, yeah. creeks and rivers. Yep. yeah. Um, so these are, uh, because they have no resistance points, obviously in the water, they can just slink along quicker. But on the land, they use these rocks and branches and little divots and dents in the landscape Mm -hmm. to, uh, just, you know, propel itself. Like I'm going to put my belly on that rock and shoot myself forward a little bit. Yeah. And then whatever's below my belly, it's going to be on the rock (laughs) Right. and just inches itself along. Well, not inches. These things can move in some cases. Right. By inches. Well, by feet. like The black mamba, 13 miles an hour. Wow. That is so scary. Can you imagine that? Because
1: that's a pretty poisonous um, snake.
0: Yeah. I think it's number five on the list, which we'll get to.
1: Um, there's sidewinding, too, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, those are creepy looking.
1: It'll get your dog disqualified in a um, in a dog show, but... Oh, yeah? oh well, Yeah.
0: Is that one of the big uh, strikes against? Sidegating? Yeah. For sure. Oh, we did one on dog shows, right?
1: Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's good for... Um, for snakes, though, especially ones where there aren't those resistant points like rocks and branches and leaves that a snake can use to propel itself, yeah, um, say like uh, along sand in a sandy desert.
0: Yeah, that's where I've usually seen
1: sidewinders. That's where the sidewinding goes on.
0: Yeah, it's the same S shape, but it's um, the cool thing about sidewinding to me is if you slow it down and look closely, the major portions of the snake's body is off the sand. Yeah, when it's moving, it's like just sort of uh, check it out. Yeah, like my front's on and my back's down, now my back's down and my front's on, and the whole time the middle's off the ground.
1: Yeah, there's just basically like the parts that curve down, everything else is held up. Those are the only points in contact with the ground,
0: like yeah. you said. Yeah, trying is... to hop, I f- get the feeling. Yeah. Like, I wish I had legs. <laughs> I'm doing my best here. I'm doing my best. Um, there's the Caterpillar, which I haven't seen much. Um, that is the same uh, rectilinear locomotion, but it's uh, up and down like uh, creates that rippling effect like you would see a caterpillar. Right. Um, I don't see that a whole lot. Well, yeah,
1: rather than side to side, the yeah. curves are up and down. Sure. It's like uh, the breakdancing move the worm.
0: Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. Uh, they should have called it the snake. They should have. And then my favorite, the uh, concertina, which is sort of like the S, but I get the feeling it's like uh, when you see the old hand accordion in a cartoon – like the front moves forward and then stops, and then the back catches up. Uh-huh. Then the front moves forward exactly. again. Exactly. That's sort of what it looks exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, and they use concertina motion for um, climbing stuff like trees, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another disconcerting thing about snakes that they can climb trees and then jump out of them. I know.
0: Here we are saying you shouldn't fear snakes, and all we're doing is make people fear snakes. Uh, again, another cool graphic, though, on snake movement. On the article here at How Stuff Works. All right, so let's talk uh, big snakes. <laughs> okay. Because the anaconda, I think everyone knows, is the largest snake. And those things are great swimmers. They can weigh as much as 550 pounds. Yeah, man, ask a full- <laughs> about those things. <laughs> I actually enjoyed that dumb movie. I never saw it. Really? Mm-hmm. It was terrible, but terribly good. It got gotcha. you. Know? Had a really good cast for such a bad movie. Yeah. Like Owen Wilson and John Voight and Ice Cube and mm-hmm. J Lo. I don't know. Marlon Brando. Yeah, he was the snake. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um I wish I could do a Brando impression so bad right now. Oh yeah, which movie would you do?
1: I would just do him as a snake.
0: Oh. <laughs> but see, mine would be, have to be as like the Vito Corleone as the sure, snake because sure. I can only do Brando for, through his movies. That's fine. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. I'm not going to do uh, it. Okay. No. Um make him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> that is <laughs> good. <laughs> that was definitely worth the wait. Uh they can be up to 12 inches in diameter and you're going to find these dudes in uh rivers in South America and they spend their time in the water because they're so large uh that's the best way they can get around.
1: Right. It, they they're huge. Yeah. So there's again less resistance in the water so they've learned to be pretty good swimmers. Yeah. And they are quite the hunter. Oh, yes. Um, they, their eyes and their nose are on the tops of their heads, so very much like an alligator or a crocodile, they can be almost completely submerged but still keep an eye on their prey. Yeah. They're tough dudes. They're not yeah. poisonous. They're constrictors, right? Yeah. I think they they're can, related to boas.
0: Yeah, they're related to boas, and they can uh, they can hold their breath uh, for up to 10 minutes if they do go underwater. <laughs> That's crazy. Which is pretty crazy, too. Yeah. But um, what was the um, – I even found that article, the um, – it was an article
1: on Smithsonian about the Titanoboa.
0: Yeah, this ancient, uh I think it was after the dinosaurs, correct?
1: Yeah, it was in that um very heady salad day time uh, after dinosaur. the dinosaurs <laughs> when all of the former prey of the dinosaurs were allowed to get huge. One of the things that got huge was the Titanoboa. Yeah. It was about 56 million years ago, and there's a... um a coal pit in Colombia that has yielded just a trove of fossils from this era, including the Titanoboa, where it was discovered.
0: Yeah, and I think the remarkable thing about this one, aside from its uh, size, was that they were able to find uh, a snake skull, which is uh, a really rare thing, apparently, because when skulls, when snake dies, their skull bones just sort of, go away to the wind because they're in so many little pieces exactly like a human skull yeah
1: is basically two pieces your lower jaw and the rest of your skull yeah um with a snake skull and we'll get into why but there's a like you say a bunch of different pieces to them and yeah when when they die just disintegrates. There's snake skull parts, but an intact snake skull. Yeah, it's rare. Very rare. So then to discover an entirely new 56 million year old species of Mm. giant snake with an intact skull was a big deal. Yeah. And they found the Titanoboa and they figured out that it grew to about 40 feet long. 40 feet? weighed about a ton. Wow. So it was about as long as a school bus and weighed as much as a rhinoceros. That is crazy. And uh, it could eat Gators, yeah. turtles, like all, everything. It just—it was the king of this Colombian jungle back back in the day.
0: Yeah, I imagine it. Ate whatever it wanted to. Yes, that is—I can't imagine. I mean, a, an anaconda these days is impressive, right? But uh, a forty-footer—that's something else.
1: I mean, it basically is what they were predicting in the movie Anaconda, unwittingly. Yeah, it was probably about forty feet and a ton, right, in that movie.
0: Yeah, a really bad CGI. <laughs> to make it all happen. Yeah. Uh, well, let's t- talk about eating a little bit. Um, one of the remarkable things about the snake is that it does swallow its prey whole and it can do this. And everyone's seen the snake when they go to unhinge that jaw. That is what they're doing. Right. Uh, they have a very, uh, specialized feature and it's called a quadrate bone. Mm-hmm. And the upper jaw connects to the lower jaw with this and it can unhinge itself. And the rest of the skull is connected by like muscle and tendon. So it's, it can get up to like 150 degrees wide open.
1: Right. And it's not just the upper jaw and the lower jaw that can unhinge and get wider. I think, uh, what'd you say? 150 degrees? Yeah. It also can expand side to side. So like the, the bones that make up the front of yeah. the snake's skull are, like you said, connected by bone and, or by muscle and tendon. Mm-hmm. So they can stretch apart as well. So not only does it get bigger vertically, this, the whole mouth can get bigger horizontally as well. And it, it, it can, again,
0: a snake can eat a, a whole rabbit. That's right. And how it does that is, and this is um, how the article describes it, it opens its mouth and begins to walk its lower jaw over the prey uh, as its backward-curving teeth grind up the animal. Yeah, and so it, dep- it just sort of sucks it in.
1: Right. It depends on the, the species of snake, whether it has backward-curving teeth or, or not. But non-venomous yeah. snakes do have the backward-curving teeth so that the prey can't get out. They can yeah. get in, but they can't
0: get out. They check in, but they don't check out. Exactly. Uh, all along, they are crushing, um, as the deeper it goes in the digest, uh, digestive tract, crushing this thing down, um, until eventually it's just, uh, broken down into nutrients, just like eating a regular meal.
1: Exactly. And again, it takes a lot more, um, digestive juices to, to make this happen. Sure. So the snake's just producing this stuff over time.
0: Sometimes it takes venom. Yeah. You know, to subdue this animal, because a, a rabbit is going to be like, I don't want to go in that mouth.
1: No, I'm going to scratch your esophagus <laughs> yeah, up. Exactly. Like, you might get me, but I'm going to take part of you down with me.
0: So that's why uh, they have these um, wicked little things called fangs. Mm-hmm. And um, they're in the upper jaw, and venomous snakes have the two hallmark, hollowed-out fangs Man. that are just a, a basically a, a delivery system, a sharp little delivery system, uh and they have glands under each eye uh, called venom ducts, and that's where the, the good stuff comes from. Right. And they just squeeze it through uh those little little fangs. Right. And like supposedly a the
1: venom passes through other glands where more chemicals are added to it and it becomes this amazing specialized brew. Um and apparently each snake species kind of has its own signature death cocktail. Sure. But there are some toxins that are found in just about all of them. Um, there's neurotoxins. Yeah. Break down your nervous system function, including things like breathing. Yeah. So that'll, that'll stop your, well, will stop your life eventually. Yeah.
0: Paralysis. Right. You're not going to be able to move, which is why it's a big one that helps them to feed, you know, cause all of a sudden the rabbit's like alive, but you know, has that look in its eye. Yes. Like I can't move. What's going on? The time is near. I hate Tuesdays. <laughs> Uh, cardiotoxins are going to deteriorate the heart and basically say you're done beating. Um, and then they have hemotoxins, and that will rupture your blood vessels, and uh, you're going to bleed internally. You know what else I found that's pretty neat? So that's those are
1: venomous snakes. Remember, we talked about like what's the most poisonous animal or venomous animal mm-hmm. in the world? We had an episode on that. Sure. Um, there are some... So a venomous snake is something that produces its own poison. Mm. There are some snakes that are technically poisonous because they eat like poisonous tree frogs or something like that, Ah. and they collect the poison from the frogs and store it. I didn't know that. And then they use it uh, to catch prey or as defense later on, but they're not physically producing their own poison. They're collecting it and and deploying it.
0: And they wouldn't have fangs either.
1: No, or else they wouldn't have fangs with the hollowed out delivery system. Right
0: interesting uh when the, they do have fangs by the way they are uh they fold backwards in the mouth did you already say that
1: no there's like pockets though that like are in their gums yeah. the roof of their mouth they're hard palate
0: oh it's like a little holster uh-huh oh okay yeah because fang if holster. not
1: it'd just go right through the bottom of their mouth and
0: they'd look pretty funny yeah they would fang holster another band name <laughs> i knew this one's gonna have a lot of band names <laughs> Uh, the venom can also have, um, if you heard our blood episode, uh, agglutinins and anticoagulants, which are either going to make the blood clot or thin out.
1: Well, remember in our, um, blood type episode, there was, uh, agglutination was what happens when you mix unlike blood.
0: Yeah. Not good. No. Um, and like, again, like you mentioned, this is just another addition to the cocktail, um, that's added to the other stuff you know um and then uh, if you want to die another way you could be constricted yeah we, there are boas and anacondas and they um they wrap around you well first they'll they'll get you in their mouth right so you're not moving yeah then they'll wrap around you and you finally exhale and then they say, That was your last breath, my friend.
1: So long, sucker.
0: Because <laughs> I'm gonna squeeze you so tight you're not gonna be able to inhale ever again.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the um the lungs that they crush, they also crush the heart. Yeah. And they squeeze so tight that the heart is prevented from
0: contracting and expanding. You ever had a BOA constrictor, like on your arm, like a friends' sure, yeah. bed or whatever?
1: Yeah, and remember the uh the one that um when we were shooting?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did did you hold that one? Yeah. I don't think I, I, think I did. I petted it, yeah. Yeah, I did once in college. I was at a party and someone had a snake, and I was um had a few drinks. I was like, "I'm going to get over my fear of snakes." Mm-hmm. And now is the time. Yeah. And he let the snake, like you know, crawl around me and wrap around my arm, and I was like, "All right, this is awesome." Yeah. And slightly creeped out, but I was like, "All right, I can, I can handle this." Yeah. It wasn't like a, you put a tarantula on me.
1: <laughs> no,
0: I could not handle that. That would be very <laughs> freaky. Yeah. All right, well, after this uh, message break, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, snake sex.
1: You ready to talk snake sex? I'm ready, man. This is the creepiest part to
0: me. <laughs> oh no, it's not. It's beautiful. Okay. Uh, a female snake is the one who sends out the order. Um, hey, I'm ready to have some sex. Right. So I'm gonna via pheromones. Yeah, pheromones, and I'm gonna leave a a little trail of pheromones everywhere I go today, because today's the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and a male snake picks up that scent and is like, I'm gonna follow this trail until I catch up to uh, this lovely lady at the end of the trail.
1: And then he finally catches up to her. Apparently, the the lady snake is just going about her normal business, but the male snake is like, well, I know what I'm doing today and following the trail (laughs) everywhere he goes. Um, And when he does catch up to her, he says, hey, how's it going? And he does that by like bumping the back of her head with his chin, basically like, hey. I think that's cute. Hey.
0: Hey. Yeah. Hey, you. Yeah. Pay attention to me.
1: (laughs) Okay, and then after that, after he's got her attention, um, he also is, like, sliding over, like, yeah, back and forth. Just sure. basically being a pest. Yeah. Um, and finally, the the lady snake, if she likes the guy. She likes what she sees. Right? Yeah. She'll be like, uh, all right, fine. And boop, up goes the tail.
0: I wonder if a snake, female snake, ever sees a lizard and is like, oh, man. Those, <laughs> if only it didn't have legs. <laughs> those arms and hands. Oh, yeah. What they could do, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think that's what, you know, snakes don't think like that, do they? I don't know. (laughs) All right. So she lifts her tail and she said, I like you. Uh, I'm willing and able. Um, let's do this. And so they wrap their tails around each other and they, they sort of just intertwine until their cloacas meet up. And that's where it all happens. My friend,
1: that's where it all happens. The male snakes, hemipenes. Which is his reproductive yeah. organ, uh, says, here's some sperm. That and- thing got a hemi?
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, he he delivers sperm through his hemipene. Why is this so awkward? I don't know. Uh, so,
1: yes, the hemipene delivers the sperm and the female becomes fertilized.
0: Hooray. And now they can make baby snakes or lay eggs. Yeah, uh, this is pretty interesting. Snake. Sure. Like some of them do both. Yeah. And that, that I thought that was unusual. It would seem like, I don't know, in nature, you usually don't have one or the other. Yeah. You know, or both. Yeah.
1: I mean, like maybe like this kind of animal, like a bird lays an egg. Sure. But a panda bear lays uh, or has live young, right? Yeah. There aren't panda bears that can also lay eggs or have live young. That just seems a little too random. Boy, could differentiated you imagine a
0: panda for... uh, egg hatch would be about the cutest thing. Yeah. That would break the internet if a little panda bear hatched from an egg. Yeah. It was like two pounds.
1: <laughs> that would be pretty cute.
0: Um, so, if they have a live young, they can give birth to anywhere from one to 150 snakes, which is, uh, you know, might be some people's nightmare.
1: Yeah, like remember that part in uh, Indiana Jones in the Temple
0: of Doom? Not Raiders?
1: No, it was the, they were at the Feast at the Maharaja's oh, table, yeah. and they bring out that snake and slice it open. All the live
0: baby they oh, yeah, 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 slide yeah. out. Oh yeah, yeah. man, they make good use of snakes. I forgot because in Raiders, the famous. Oh snakes. yeah, asps. <laughs> um. Hey, that was a good uh, Sala. Was that his name? I think so. Right? I don't know. Oh man, I'm gonna get killed for that one if it's not. Um, if they lay eggs, they uh, can hatch them internally, uh, hold them internally until they hatch, or uh, give birth to the egg, and then the egg will hatch. Um, and like you said, that's, it's sort of the combination method if they hold the eggs internally. Um, and they take care of their young, but not really, like, forever. Like, sometimes they'll even leave the eggs before they hatch. Sometimes they'll stick around and protect them uh, for a little while. So it well, sort of depends.
1: Right. It depends on the species. I guess the reason why they would have so many different qualities in the same like family Mm -hmm. um, is that they've been around for like 160 million years.
0: Yeah. And the variety of their uh, distribution all over the world. Yeah.
1: So speaking of variety, like we said, just 5% of snakes are poisonous. But the ones that are poisonous can be really, really poisonous. Yeah. Not just mildly poisonous, but like really deadly poisonous.
0: Well, you mean venomous still or poisonous? Thank you. Yeah. Venomous. I mean venomous. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I found a list of uh, most venomous snakes. Um, and uh, lucky for us here in the U.S. of A., and Canada and Mexico, mm-hmm. we only have the rattlesnake to contend with.
1: Well, wait a minute. I thought we had like water moccasins and copperheads. Oh,
0: no, as far as the most venomous. Oh, gotcha. Like a water moccasin bite, you'll be fine. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I thought it was like yeah. deadly. No, well, I mean, if you just like went back and watched TV, maybe you go to the doctor you, go the, you. it's not like i'm going to die in 30 minutes because it's all about, it, what it comes down to is how deadly the venom is like
1: i got bit by a water <laughs> moccasin but judge judy's on what am I going to do decisions decisions i got to see this
0: verdict um the uh, eastern diamondback is the most venomous in North America, and that was the one that I encountered. My snake story when I wow. was a kid. Wow,
1: that's scary.
0: Uh, we were looking at property with my parents in the North Georgia mountains, and my brother and I were running ahead. I might oh yeah, this. yeah, yeah. And there was a rattlesnake, a big, big rattlesnake, coiled and ready to go.
1: And your brother just pulled out a six shooter, shot it once in the <laughs> head, and like twirled his gun and put it back. Right? No,
0: the old mountain man came in with a stick, like just from nowhere, like running behind us, and one jab got the head. Jeez. Yeah. It was scary, man. And looking back, I'm like, I wish he hadn't killed the snake, but we were, we were four feet from this thing. And it was completely coiled with his head up. Like he oh, was ready he, to go. Could have gotten you. Yeah, he could have totally gotten us. Uh, number nine is the Death Adder uh, in Australia and New Guinea. And they kill other snakes, but uh, if you happen upon them, you'll notice their triangular shaped head, which is always a dead giveaway. Right. Usually that, that's a, not a good snake. Right. Or not. Again, a good snake, but not one you want to like play with.
1: And by the way, Chuck, if you had a um, you encountered a four foot rattlesnake, mm-hmm. you could expect a, a striking distance of two thirds of its body length is usually the rule of thumb for a rattlesnake.
0: Uh, we were probably close to striking distance then. Man,
1: yeah, that's scary. Uh, and we were out in the woods too. That wouldn't have been
0: a pretty scene, you know. No, um, the,
1: the old mountain man would have just had to put you down immediately. Yeah. No, he would just have, lay
0: it on your face. He probably would have done the old uh, suck it out with his mouth and spit, which I think is not the way to do it, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, vipers are next at number eight. Uh, China, India, Southeast Asia, Central Asia, Middle East. Very fast. Very uh, ill-tempered. Uh, the Philippine cobra? Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Cobras generally aren't, um, I mean, they're venomous, but their venom isn't among the most deadly.
1: Like, you could go watch TV for a little while. Ahead. No, probably
0: not. But the Philippine cobra is uh, the exception. Um, they have the most deadly venom of all the cobras.
1: Right. Very neurotoxic. There's the tiger snake. Yeah. Uh, you, this one can kill you within 30 minutes. Yeah. Supposedly. Pretty quick. And before there was such a thing as an tiger snakes killed at a rate of about 60 to 70 percent.
0: Also in Australia, by the way. Yeah. As you'll notice, that is a trend. And when we talked about the most venomous creatures, Australia was always around. Uh, We have our black mamba, which we talked about in Africa. Very aggressive, very fast, and they can strike up to 12 times in a row. And a single bite is capable of killing anywhere between 10 to 25 adults. Very deadly. It's super deadly. It's still not the deadliest, though, is it? Nope, there's several more. (laughs) Number four, the taipan... uh, also, in Australia, can kill twelve thousand guinea pigs, um, with a single bite. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a,
1: that's what they compare calories to as well, right, like so instead of Big Mac. <laughs> that's pigs. like eight guinea pigs <laughs> worth of calories.
0: Um, the blue uh, K R A I T, the blue crate, uh, Malaysian, um, and it is the most deadly of that species. Uh, in South uh Southeast Asia and Indonesia, fifty percent of the bites, even with antivenin, you will die. That is so scary. That's super scary. That is the that is a deadly, deadly snake. Uh, number two, the eastern brown. Uh one fourteen thousandth of an ounce is enough to kill an adult human. Yeah. And um they live the scary thing about them is they live uh in Australia near major population centers. So Those are the ones, I think, that you can go out and find, like, the second most deadly snake in the world in your yard.
1: Right, or at, like, a bar or something like that (laughs) at work.
0: (laughs) Can you imagine that? Um, Man. And number one, the inland taipan, or the fierce snake. Man. And uh, this is another subspecies, but they put it on the list uh, because they just said it deserves to be there. And um, it is the most toxic venom in, in the world. Uh, 110 milligrams of venom in one bite is enough to kill about 100 human beings. Or 5 million guinea pigs. (laughs) Uh, the good thing about this one though is it's not super aggressive and you're not going to see one very much. It's rare to even encounter one. And for that reason, they don't have any fatalities on record. Oh, really? Yeah. On record. Right. Uh, and what was that list from? Was that io9 or was
1: it a... Listverse. Listverse. Listverse put it (laughs) together for us, man.
0: Yeah, I double check though. I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, I'd say just any of those ten. Um, avoid in the wild. Don't kill them though, unless you have to. Right. You know. But always hike with a
1: flamethrower. <laughs> uh, Chuck, have you ever heard there's no snakes in Ireland? No, is that a saying? Oh yeah, Saint Saint Patrick supposedly drove all the snakes out of Ireland. That's one of that. the reasons he got so famous. Oh wow. He did not do that. Because there are snakes in Ireland, of course, right? No. Oh, there really aren't. There are in like zoos and 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 in people's homes, but no, there's no snakes in the wild in Ireland. Seriously. What about England, Scotland, and Wales? Uh, I think that there may be, but Ireland, when snakes were developing, was underwater, and snakes never made it over there. So but, there really aren't snakes in Ireland, as far as I can tell. But are there in
0: Scotland and England?
1: I'm guessing yes.
0: Surely one has crossed the border. <laughs>
1: And I mean, like, the fact that there are some, like, in zoos and in people's homes mean that there eventually will be. Right. Because, you know, like, down in Florida, people would, like, take pythons that they had as pets and just release them in the Everglades. And now the Everglades have a really large python population, a non-native python population. Because people
0: are stupid and they didn't realize that that python was going to get large. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Go
1: humans. Yep. Uh,
0: You got anything else?
1: That's it, man. That's snakes. That's all I got. You got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Well, uh, since we have nothing else, uh, we want you to go learn more about snakes. You can type the word snakes in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com and uh, check out our podcast page for this episode with all sorts of cool extra links. And uh, since I said cool, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, Hey, guys. My name is Kristen. Uh, I'm going to call this. Hey, guys. My name is Kristen. Okay. Lupus. Slash Lupus. Lupus. Uh, I want to send an email thanking both of you. Uh, even though I'm a relatively new fan, I really think you are saving my life. A year and a half ago, at 22, I was diagnosed with lupus, uh, which is a progressive autoimmune disease. And about six to eight months ago, I started also struggling with the depression. Uh, my boyfriend Ross tried every trick in the book, and eventually, I was, uh, wasn't even getting out of bed. I started to have passive suicidal idealization. It was a very dark time. Uh, my family really joined together to get me help, though. I have a great psychiatrist great therapist and I'm proud to say I am recovering you two factor in because my boyfriend recommended I listen to a podcast on panic attacks he found it uh, to be a really helpful tool when he was trying to figure out how to help me cope Uh, I couldn't leave my bed but I did have my iPhone so I listened and I kept listening and kept listening (laughs) for days eventually I started laughing again and then uh, started looking at the articles related to topics of the podcast and being like this is like the same thing (laughs) And it really gave me something uh, new and positive to talk about with my friends and family. I listen to the show when I feel like I'm going to have an episode of Panic. It helps me to breathe and to laugh.
1: Oh, that is so cool.
0: It is. It stimulates my brain and keeps me thinking, wondering, and in awe of all sorts of awesome things. So thank you for your help, and please keep up the amazing work. Uh, I still have plenty of uh, content to get through, but I hope the two of you keep making the podcast for plenty of time to come.
1: We will. We have no plans to stop anytime soon.
0: And that is from Kristen Wolf, and uh, she's a native Atlanta, but she is in Washington, D.C. So, Kristen, you should come out and see our show in June in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Talk about relaxing. <laughs> way to you see it live?
1: Well, yeah, but it's also extremely exciting, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, thanks a lot, Kristen, for sharing that. We're glad we got to help you out.
0: And thanks, Ross, the boyfriend, for uh, helping her out. Way to go, Ross.
1: Yeah. I mean, nice job.
0: Agreed. Uh, if you want to
1: get in touch with us to let us know anything, how we've helped you out, how we've messed you up, whatever, um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash StuffYouShouldKnow. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And check out our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.